What up, guys? This is another episode of a Timeless Podcast. With this episode, we got some interesting topics to talk about. Uh, in the building, we got Dennis, myself, Nair, Denny, and Melden. All right, Dennis, uh, go ahead and tell us about yourself, man. So first and foremost, I'm a lifelong learner. Uh, I'm an educator. I've been a medical student. Um, I'm a scientist, <clears throat> a little bit of a social activist as well. And uh, that's, pre- that's pretty much it. How long have you been in school, bro? Seven years. Seven shit, man. Seven I really got to four. Um, Barely. <laughs> what do you even do for seven years in school? So my bachelor's degree was in um, biochemistry and neuroscience, and I did a lot of undergraduate research at Western. Um, my research focused on primarily on cancer treatments. And then the last three years, I've been a graduate student. So my first master's that I got was um, in biology, with, and the concentration was, once again, biochemistry. And I continued my research that I had as an undergraduate in cancer treatments. And then now I'm finishing up my certification to become a, uh, a nationally certified teacher so I can teach. You got a teacher job, or...? I will hear pretty soon in the future. I have been teaching in the last couple of years uh, at Western Kentucky University. I've, I've taught anatomy and physiology to majors, biology. Uh, I've taught um, introduction to cells, molecular genetics, um, metabolism, and that, and that type of stuff too so, to, to the students uh, that are majors. Uh, what made you want to get into teaching and all this scientific stuff? So not a lot of people know this about me. When I was in high school, I was actually recruited to tutor for the Kentucky Department of Education. Um, there was a parent that was a foster parent, and he had a group of foster kids. And uh, my guidance counselor called me into her office one day because she knew that I was, I was pretty good at um, the, the, the background knowledge and what he needed help in. And he was a ward of the state. He had been truant from school for about two years. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't hygienic, and so the state took him away from his mother and yeah. gave him to a foster parent. And so he came in, and this was my junior and senior year, and uh, my goal was, as his tutor, to take his grades from where they were, take his reading level from where it was, and increase it to state benchmarks, and that's what we did, and that was my first experience with teaching. And of course, in the past, I'd also like helped out, you know, if ever, you know, some colleagues or some friends or whatever needed help with their assignments, and explaining it to them in a way that made sense. And so that was my first exposition to teaching. Um, but then medicine, I've always been fascinated by, just the human body, just science in general, um, the perspective that, that it provides, my mind is very analytical. And uh, so I've always loved that. And so I've always wanted to also be a physician. Um, so kind of the best of both worlds, you know, and that approaches me, you know, my long-term goal is to teach at medical school, but you know, for the foreseeable future, I'll be trying to teach either at high school or college somewhere. So you did a lot of research with cancer, stuff like that, correct? Yeah, yeah. Six years of my of my research time was spent on cancer research. Long, long time. And I know Dennis from Little Kids, and I swear he's going to find the cure to cancer. <laughs> I don't know about that. If anybody does, man, be my guy. I don't know about that. I mean, I hope I contributed in some in some small fashion, in some small way, you know. Um, that's the way academia works. All small little contributions just piling up, piling up, piling up, years, decades, and then a big breakthrough comes in. So my research focused on finding novel treatments in different cancer cell lines. And so one of the things that I worked with was a chemotherapy drug called cisplatin. And it's, it's been around since the 70s. And uh, partnering the treatment of cisplatin with another compound that is found in nature. And it, it's a compound called curcumin, which is found in turmeric, which is a spice that a lot of people use when they're cooking and stuff like that. So using derivatives of that chemical and using it in conjugation with cisplatin and seeing how can that affect the different cancer cell lines that that plague people today 
So is that is that something like chemo? Like not the same concept, but that is that a part of this so, cure? So the um, the term chemotherapy is a very broad term. It was coined by some by, by a German scientist, I think, back in like the uh, mid eighteen hundreds. And so at, at its core, chemotherapy it just means therapy with chemicals. But like, what exactly is a chemical? Is it bleach? Is it detergent? Well, technically, a chemical is you know almost anything. There are natural chemicals that we use on a daily basis, and so. Not until recently has has the term really become used in in everyday uh, media and 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 uh, colloquial English as uh, a chemical attack, like a strong chemical attack, like nuking the body, chemical attack type thing. Um, and so, essentially, to answer your question, yes, cisplatin is a type of chemotherapy. It is effectively a cure for testicular cancer. If if caught in early stages, uh, cisplatin will, for the most part, in stages one and two, has has a ninety six percent penetration rate. Um, and almost considered a cure by the CDC for treating testicular cancer. And it's effective against many other different forms of cancer too. So lung cancer and uh, ovarian cancer, all, all different kinds of ones. Uh, but the curcumin side of it is the natural aspect of it that we're always looking to find in, uh, new drugs to treat these different cancers because with chemotherapy comes a lot of nasty side effects. Yeah. And so the idea was... Can you take the the efficacy of this drug and par and partner it with other drugs to reduce the side effects while still killing the cancer? And that was the idea behind the research. And we, we had some pretty interesting findings that are um, still being worked on. And then I've got two publications, uh, God willing, coming out here in the near future on that, published in academic journals. So going on that, I mean, it's the it's the question everybody wants to hear. Do you ever think there's going to be a cure for cancer? Like one one cure that cures it all. I think eventually, yes. The problem is it's cancer is something that people don't fully understand. It is the name given to a family of diseases. It is not one disease. It's not like I'm going and I'm treating your, your bacterial infection with an antibiotic, right? Cancer, there are hundreds of different types of cancer, and they all have different profiles. They all act and behave in different ways. Um, some of them go through your blood. Some of them are metastatic. Um, some of them form tumors and so and within each individual type of cancer you have different micro environments around the cells that become cancerous and so it's it gets very complex very quickly um and so we're not at that point right now yeah. um, but in the future once the research builds and you know with some time decades maybe uh, you never know you know maybe we can make a breakthrough like that what's the one thing that ties all cancer together let's basically explain what cancer is so at its at its core cancer is a name like i said given given to a a group of diseases uh caused by uncontrolled cell division and so as we grow and as we age um our cells become old and they die and they need to get replaced um <clears throat> as we age the body accumulates certain mutations and past a certain point those mutations can cause the cell cycle which is the process by which the cells you know, um, grow and divide can cause that process to go unchecked. So picture it like uh, being on a toll road. Every single few miles, you have some toll boots and you got to pay the toll to continue. Well, cancer is kind of like being on a toll road with no toll boots. So it just goes through traffic. It's free flowing. There's no control. There's no checkpoint. Uh, that's kind of what happens with cancer. And then those cells then divide and they divide very rapidly, very quickly. And then if, if it's a metastatic uh, uh, cancer, which forms a tumor, then in, in that type of cancer, you can have some tumors form. Or if it's a blood cancer, if it's an occult blood cancer like leukemia, then it'll just go through the body like that, like a leukemia does. Um, so that's essentially what it is. It's, it's just uncontrolled cell division that is caused by cell cycle checkpoints being turned off. And then the, the cells just divide uncontrolled and unchecked. 
So I know like people talk about uh, chemo. That's like the main thing you hear when you think of a cancer patient. What like what is chemo? Chemotherapy is essentially a targeted chemical attack using one or more drugs. And uh, like I said, cisplatin was one of those drugs that, that, that we work with uh, on a daily basis in, in, in the oncology fields. So um, what you essentially do is depending on the stage of the cancer, the type of cancer, uh, the patient's age, their, their demographics, all, all that stuff, you design a treatment program with chemotherapy to attack those cells and kill them before they get to a certain stage that would lead to... Um, patient dying and of course you have different stages of cancer and so the confusion with chemotherapy then becomes you know sometimes it doesn't work as effectively as you would hope so because of the degree to which that cancer is advanced and so if you have someone who's a fourth stage pancreatic cancer or a fourth stage breast breast cancer you can do a mastectomy you can have the breasts removed um, but that's the primary form of treatment then the physician the oncologist would come in and do a chemotherapy regimen to make sure that any other remaining cancer cells in the body are then treated because you can remove the tumor but there can still be cancer that comes back yeah. um, and so that's the way a lot of chemotherapy works today if, if the cancers form tumors then you first you cut the tumor out and then you use chemotherapy or radiation uh, and or radiation really to treat it and to try to kill those cells the fact I mean the facts say I've read a little bit about the chemo treatment the facts say I think it's over 90% of chemotherapy doesn't work so why do why do you think doctors still implement it? Is it because they make a cut out of out of it or what? I I don't think um, that is the reason. So it, it depends on what information you're looking at. So the problem with academic research is when a lot of when a lot of analyses or meta analyses are done on um, these topics, a complex conclusion will be formed over the course of twenty pages of academic literature. That'll then be summarized, and that'll continue being summarized and paraphrased to one sentence that the public can digest. Yeah. And when that happens, you get a phrase like that. So chemotherapy is effective. Like I said, like cisplatin, it, if you catch it early in testicular cancer, it'll effectively cure your testicular cancer. Yeah. You know, but it's it's sometimes the the drugs become ineffective because cancer can become resistant to cisplatin or different forms of chemotherapy. Sometimes the drugs don't get into the cell and target the DNA to cause the damage uh, to kill the cancer. So um, it depends on, you know, how you really look at the analytics and how you look at the stats, really, that, to get those numbers. One big thing that I know is um, we look, always look at, in the oncology world, at cancer survival rates. And so when you treat someone, how long will their life be? after you treat them versus untreated. And so we have mountains of data on that already. And usually, um, I think if I remember correctly, uh, there was a meta-analysis done out of a lab group in the United Kingdom. And uh, we have across all cancers with chemotherapy treatment and across all stages. And so with, with respect to all stages, which means stage one, stage two, stage three, yeah. stage four, that is a lot of different you know cancer stuff. Yeah. Um, about a 48% efficacy of chemotherapy alone, not paired with surgery, not paired with radiation. And so it just depends on how those numbers are discussed and how they're um, analyzed, really. So that it is a very effective treatment, not, not to say that it is the best treatment, but it's one of the best treatments that we currently have, depending on the stage, the age, the profile, uh, the advanced degree, and the type of cancer that you have. So. Uh, that, that's the way I would address that. And, you know, there, there are things coming out in the future, too. So, like, we have immunotherapy now, which harnesses the body's immune, immune system to target cancer, um, you know. And we'll have other treatments, you know, more targeted medicine, targeted chemical attacks and whatnot, too. So, so that kind of like the reverse of chemo, right, where chemo kind of wipes everything out. 
you're immune, you're using your immune system to your advantage. Yeah, your immu- your immune system um, does take a big hit um, during chemotherapy treatment for sure. So um, the idea behind immunotherapy is harnessing the chemical power inside the body, the 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 immune power of the body to attack the cancer cells. So that is one option. You know, you could also pair that with other chemotherapies, you can pair it with radiation, you pair it with surgery. So oncologists are still devising treatment plans, treatment schedules that incorporate some, if not all of those treatment uh, treatment strategies. So do you think like, I think uh, when, what I've heard, what I've read about is when people get rid of cancer, they should after that uh, stop eating carbs, stop eating all that because it's a fuel to cancer. What do you think about that? Do well, you think- one thing that is clear is um, Sugars fuel cancer cells. Uh, that that is for sure. The thing that I won't get too technical about it because I don't yeah. I don't want to I don't want to turn it into a lecture. But uh, cancer cells do this thing that's called the Warburg effect. And essentially, your body does what our body is really good at is our primary fuel source is called ATP. So for those of you that remember your high school biology class, it's your usable form of energy, right? And so we use that as our usable form of energy. In order to get that ATP, you have to go through a process called aerobic respiration. And so aerobic implying that we use oxygen. Cancer cells do anaerobic respiration, which is much faster, and they grow much quicker. So in the absence of oxygen, they grow at a, such a exponential rate, they, out, they, they outperform the growth rate of your regular cells. Yeah. And so the way that they do that, of course, is by, using our, is by ingesting the energy that we give it. Well, the body's most readily usable form of energy comes from what we eat, which is usually glucose. Right? So why can't you starve it? So like, you don't put fuel on the fire. You, know well, you have mean? to eat because you're because you, you got to eat you got to have your your other cells to survive and so the thing about cancer that you got to realize is it will continue to grow because there are other metabolic processes by which it can harness energy not just carbohydrates and so um, you can eat a clean quote unquote clean diet and in hopes to never get cancer um, but it's it's much much more complex than that so but you think it helps the evidence is inconclusive to, to be honest so um, if you look at the if you look at the established literature and if you look at the academic journals that that, that discuss which there are, there are a few that discuss um, cancer growth and 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 survival rates and diet so there are a few that, that that publish on that type of stuff the evidence is still inconclusive on how exactly diet affects cancer growth rates like yeah. we know you have to ingest some degree of carbohydrates nobody goes zero carb yeah. for, for five years it just yeah. doesn't happen yeah so it's very hard to establish controls for those type of things in order to say that this is not anecdotal that it's not just due to chance you know that it's something that we can prove if we establish this these set of conditions over and over again that has not been fully determined yet so it is possible you know it is possible that uh, the carbohydrates do have a very strong effect on um on cancer growth rates and that you know, cutting them out completely, you know, could starve the cancer, but it's also possible that it may not do anything, that it's, you know, could be placebo, it could be other other things as well. So just a lot more research has to be done. So um, on top of cancer and kind of with um, what's going on right now in the media, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on about uh, jewels and e-cigs and stuff like that, which were supposed to be alternatives to smoking cigarettes. And now they've kind of backfired and they're, they're causing cancer and yeah. other kind of illnesses themselves um, what do you think about that well so the big the big thing that where we see the huge attention right now that's coming from the CDC is because when these e-cig companies and Juul is the face of the e-cig company right now when they came out the intention was to be for people that are trying to stop smoking yeah. as it correctly should have been yeah. because the addiction to smoking does not come from um, 
any of the other chemicals really other than nicotine. So nicotine is, is the real addiction that happens. The problem is, in order for them to increase sales, they marketed to kids. They took social media influencers, they, you know, they, made, they made it look hot, they made it look sexy, they gave it like really cool flavors to, to pair it with hookahs, popularity in the United States, you know, mm -hmm. the Red Bull, Mango, Mint, these other flavors, and that caused a spike of usage amongst kids in high schools. And so that's where the CDC has been like really, really, you know, hitting it hard in the past few months, uh, smacking Jewel on top of the head with a lot of fines because they marketed their they market they marketed to yeah. teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were several polls that were done, I think, by Gallup and you know, by other uh, health outlets. Uh, Gallup is the largest polling organization in the world. And about two thirds of high school kids now have jeweled or vaped at least once which is a staggering number in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not that jewels are bad, quote unquote, it's that they're getting, the, they're getting into the hands of people that shouldn't be using them. Jewels are still a very effective way for smokers who have a very strong two-pack-a-day addiction or yeah. pack-and-a-half-a-day addiction to remove a lot of the carcinogens that they would have been inhaling on those cigarettes. You know, Despite the filter that's on those cigarettes, you're still inhaling all that tar. You're still inhaling the chemicals, in the, and, and it's getting into your lungs, and it can cause those mutations that can cause cancer. Um, the stats are, if I, if I remember correctly, about half of the people in their lifetime that smoke over a certain amount of years will contract some form of lung cancer. Um, of course, the, the predictive power behind that is fairly reasonable. You could smoke your entire life and never get cancer, yeah. but you might be one of the fortunate ones. you know. So, um, so as used as a way for people to stop smoking, if that's the intent, Paired with something like maybe Chantix, which is a drug that uh, reduces uh, nicotine cravings, then yeah, it's effective and it should be out there for those people. But marketing it to kids, the real problem with that is nicotine is a dangerous chemical to the developing mind. And so when you expose the, the adolescent mind and teenagers, 14, 15, 16, even all the way up into our 20s, because our brains don't stop developing until about 26, if you expose consistently, an addictive chemical like nicotine to the adolescent mind, what'll happen um, is it'll increase, um, it'll decrease uh, impulse control, it'll increase risk, uh, you, and, you'll see, and um, it also does things that impact memory and um, memory loss, motivation goes down. And so these are dangerous things. It's not necessarily that because you jewel, all those things are gonna happen to you. The data's not exactly 100% causal yet, um, but that's what we know as of right now. And so the idea is, keep that out of the hands of the kids until they're ready enough and old enough to make the decision for yeah. themselves. And so that's the thing that the CDC has been hitting these companies over the head with right now. Yeah, the majority of these kids are people probably wouldn't have nicotine addiction if it wasn't for the jewels. Like most yeah. kids, oh my God, yeah. most kids wouldn't start smoking cigarettes. But is, exactly. it, is it really an addiction or is it more of a, a social thing? Because you see it in colleges, yeah. everybody fucking has one. I went down to Miami and that's the first time I ever saw a jewel. Yeah. Dude, like people were walking around, they had these fucking USB sticks. Yeah. And so, I was, yeah, go ahead. So that's a very good point. It, it's a, it is very much a social thing. And so I, I've seen it. I mean, we've seen it in our social circles, you know, somebody's like, Hey, take a hit, you know, but in that same Gallup poll that I mentioned earlier, about 35% of those kids that have become addicted to nicotine did not know that what they were inhaling had yeah. nicotine in it. And so one jewel pod has 20 times the nicotine content than a pack of cigarettes. Kids don't know that, but we know people in our social circles and people out there that go through two, three, four jewel pack jewel pods a day. A day, yeah. yeah that is it. very dangerous to the adolescent mind, and it's not dangerous in that um, you're going to go jump off a bridge or something like that. It's dangerous because, like I said, your impulse control, your decision making capabilities, your your rational thinking, 
has a tendency to decrease the longer that you use it. And so that's the problem. And so really what Juul does is they take nicotine salts and it's more effective at getting into the bloodstream and getting into the lungs. Um, whereas other companies before have just used nicotine. So the nicotine salts, when, whenever that stuff is vaporized, the way it gets into your body is a bit more potent. And so that's why Juul has been hit so hard. Paired that with the fact that they're going after teenagers, so they, they were going after teenagers. Um, that's why it's been such a controversial thing in the country recently. So at the end of it, is it, is it worse than cigarettes? Uh, to say that it's worse than cigarettes is probably inaccurate. I would say that it is dangerous, but cigarettes have many more carcinogens, like far more carcinogens. And so your, your risk factor for getting cancer you know, later in life from smoking a Juul versus smoking a cigarette it's probably less. If is there really much data on that though? You know what I mean? Because like Juul's been around yet. for like yeah, there's not yet because it's only been around for what five six years. Yeah, we're we're basically know? guinea pigs to this whole e cig stuff, anyways. Exactly. Yeah, we don't know we're, we're we're that's exactly right. Actually experience it. The problem with it is in different, not just Juul, so different companies that that market and that make these things is the chemicals that they put inside the aerosols. We don't fully know how those things inhaled over a course of time will affect the human body. And so it's like you said, yeah. Andy, we're essentially guinea pigs. Yeah. We don't actually know. And so the evidence is inconclusive because we have not been able to do longitudinal studies on this. But we do know that cigarettes will cause cancer. The degree to which they <clears throat> cause cancer is to be determined by your genetic profile, by your, by your resiliency of your genes, and you know how exposed you get to those chemicals. Um, so that's why it's inconclusive. So that's why I say that it's probably less risk to use a Juul or use any e-cig that is just pure nicotine, but the ones that are pure nicotine only are few and far between. I mean, there's there's not that many that are only pure nicotine. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned the aerosols and stuff like that. Yeah. So far, people haven't really been affected with lung cancer and stuff like that from the Juuls, but a lot of um, reports have been showing, like in pictures I've seen, like mouth sores and stuff like that on the roof yes. of the mouth and burns. Yes. And is that from like the aerosols? It can definitely be. So a lot of them have, I think, uh, one of the chemicals is like um, propylene glycol and, and things that cause these very That's severe That's like the burns. burn you feel, right? Yeah. yeah. And then there's also uh, a really big thing right now that the CDC is pushing is uh, there's a, I don't know, it might be a bacteria or a virus that you can get from sharing jewel pods and from sharing jewel pods. Like STDs and stuff like that too. Almost like that, yeah. It's like cross, cross contaminations and whatnot. That becomes a big problem. It's not necessarily, once again, the nicotine uh, that you should be worried about. Nicotine won't cause cancer. It's it, the, the data on that. I'm pretty sure that is well established. Is nicotine is, does not show a causal relationship with cancer, um, but what it what it does have the potential of doing is, like I said, risk tolerance. You know, risky behaviors, um, memories, motivation, decision making. All that stuff is really, really affected by nicotine consumption. And when you're consuming 20 times more than a pack of cigarettes a day, and you're doing it three or four times a day, yes. that's when it gets bad. And so a lot of people are also concerned about being a gateway. So the jewel is not enough. And so the, that burn that I get, that I get from the jewel, when well, I want to pair it with like a cigarette, yeah. and that be, that's a gateway into smoking cigarettes. And so that's why it's been you know pushed so heavily against. And then of course to the the influence of, um, like. Like I think Jewel, uh, the controlling stake in Jewel or like a large portion of Jewel was just bought by Marlboro like this past year. So now they have an incentive to sell their product, which is nicotine. That's that's what keeps people addicted is the nicotine. Because if there was no nicotine, people probably wouldn't smoke, you know. But now they have even a larger interest of making sure that people buy their product. So these like big corporations, what you're saying is they care about money more than health. Because they're pushing I mean, more about, you know, the, they're pushing the product out to people that they know shouldn't be taking this. Yeah. I mean, and the bottom line in this country, we, I mean, 
sad to say, like we live in a capitalist society, which is, I have nothing to say against capitalism. There are pros and cons to every single um, uh, economic structure. But in capitalism, the goal, especially if you're a publicly traded company, the goal is to make money for your shareholders and to make money for yourself. And so how do you do that? You sell. Well, how do you sell? You get people addicted. Yeah. That's one way. Uh, you see the same thing with caffeine. Caffeine is the most popular drug in the world, yeah. the most widely distributed drug in the world. And almost, I mean, how many people do you know that I don't say consume 75% caffeine? percent of people probably. Yeah, I mean, like everyone consumes caffeine for the most part. So. Is it really a drug though? It is, it is a drug. Yeah, it is a drug. drug. Yeah, it is a stimulant because when you're on caffeine, it will increase your heart rate. It will increase your focus, your concentration, yeah. your alertness. Uh, that's why it's in pre-workout. It's not in pre-workout because it, like, it improves your fitness performance. It's there because you can focus. Like It helps you focus. So today I learned I'm a fucking drug addict. Basically. <laughs> Shout out caffeine. Shout yeah. out caffeine. Shout out caffeine for making the yeah. Well, I mean, no, I'm a drug caffeine, addict. Sometimes caffeine isn't enough. You know, that's when you get into things like cocaine. Honestly, you know, you know, cocaine will do things to you that, and that's when the risk factor increases because caffeine and cocaine have do do similar things biochemically, but the degree to which cocaine does it is yeah. well, does caffeine much and dopamine the same? Oh, it'll but it'll it release dopamine. It'll release serotonin. It'll it'll release a bevy of neurotransmitters, and the degree to which it releases those neurotransmitters is like completely higher than what caffeine, caffeine would do. do. So that's mm -hmm. where it can cause a very well, yeah, strong addiction so quickly. But it'll also, um, it's kind of like you also get the headaches when you become addicted to it. Exactly. Say you don't have, you don't have coffee, like it's noon, you got a coffee headache instantly. Yeah. At least yep. I get it. Those are withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, so, I get a, I drink like a fuck ton of coffee and by like 10 a.m., I drink at like 6 a.m., 10 a.m., my head hurts, everything. You just drink another one. Remember, like two years ago, you, you, you wouldn't drink coffee. You'd drink like uh, green tea and stuff like that. And then I started drinking tea. Then you uh, yeah. came to the corporate world. Tea. No, because when you start working, bro, you you need that shit. You need like, the coffee, man. It's you wake up, you wake up you're, early. You're raised to think you need it because you see everybody else doing it. You see it helping them. But think about it, when you were a kid, you didn't need it. You but did I work though? All day. Yeah, you I did I work? A kid. When you went to school as a kid in elementary school, but that's, that's basically work. You're there eight hours of the day. Yeah, but, but I come home and either. yeah, and I come home and I play. You had elementary homework, school, you had to learn stuff. You had homework. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you come home. Outside. Yeah, college. You come home and you, you come home from work and then you go you go to school or whatever and then you got to stay up all night. So what what helps you? Coffee. It's caffeine, yeah. And yeah. the degree to which you, I mean, so a cup of a cup of tea has about First thirty-five long. milligrams of caffeine on average. A cup of coffee, you took, you're pushing seventy-five to eighty. Uh, eight ounces of Red Bull, you're pushing one twenty. Uh, a monster, like one of the like a like one of those big monsters, you push in one eighty. A rock yeah, star, you push in two fifteen. So what's the difference between like coffee? Because like I drink black coffee, just black. It sounds healthier than fucking drinking like a Red Bull. And I feel better when I drink coffee rather than Red Bull. So what's the difference? Because they both have caffeine. Well, it's the actual it's actually it's the actual compound, right? And so it's not just the caffeine that's in there. Um, so if you drink black coffee straight, no no cream, no sugar, no no additives, no mixtures, no nothing. You're drinking actually a pretty healthy substance. Like it, caffeine is not, it's not bad for you. There are studies out there that discuss the benefits of drinking coffee. It is a, it is a known thing. The literature on that has been established. Um, but Red Bull, you've got other things in there. Not just Red Bull, Monsters, Rock Stars, other energy drinks, Bangs, whatever, what have you. Um, they've got other chemicals in there that, and a lot of other sugars too that can, that can cause you that crash feeling. Um, whereas you drink, you're drinking black coffee, there's nothing else in it except for the caffeine and then the, the benefit of the coffee. Um, so I hope that answers your question. But it's like anything. You drink too much and it's... It, It'll what? cause an addiction. It can cause it to yeah. be bad. But then the thing too about drinking black coffee is you're not adding, you're not adding anything to it. You're not adding your 50-50 half and half creamers. You're not adding all the extra sugars. Right. You know, Just adding a little bit of blood pressure. Well, yeah, you <laughs> might raise your blood pressure, pressure but... 
It's not dangerous. I think it's like, what is it, 1.6 1. 1. grams or 16 grams of caffeine to actually stop the heart? Yeah, it can stop the heart. And so, yeah. like, if you consume, you'd have to consume copious amounts of, like, uh, energy drinks to really do some damage to your heart. Or but caffeine yeah, pills. Caffeine mm-hmm. pills will do it, too. Yeah, um, because it increases the heart rate, and you go, you're, going to, you're going to attack the cardio. Like, you will have a heart attack if you drink too much caffeine. But for you to consume that amount of caffeine, you have you'd to have start to try a lot you, of caffeine. You won't do that. Yeah, yeah you have to, Randomly. like, start abusing it. Yeah, for sure. Heart, yeah. And usually people don't do it because then you start seeing some negative side effects. You'll get really bad headaches, can cause cluster headaches, can cause migraines. Um, so, yeah, usually you don't see people abusing it to yeah. that degree. So drink black coffee rather than Red Bull and all that other bullshit. Well, and once again, too, I mean, your body becomes acclimated, right? So like Denny said, you start drinking green tea and then you went up. Denny you know? will move from green tea to coffee. I promise it. it, it I used to drink coffee. You you back. Oh, you tapered off. Oh, yeah, I stopped. He, okay. wor- he worked less stopped. too, so. He works at 8 a.m. Yeah, we're work up at 7. The rest of us are up at 7 a.m. I work every day, six days a week. Yeah. No, but it, it is good, you know, and so some people need that pick-me-up because, you know, in this country, it's all about productivity, you know, so you wake up in the morning, you need, you know, you're, you're tired, maybe you don't want to wake up, and so what's the thing that will get you going? I need my coffee, man. It is so. true. I'll get you going, for sure. Yep. Helps me. Um, so, uh, dealing with, like, uh, caffeine and stuff, you're talking about it helps with school and stuff. How do you really feel about school? Does it? You think it's? Uh, you think it's for everybody or no? I really don't, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. See, so when you grow up in this country or just in, in society, Western Western culture in general, the questions are: What do you want? What do you want to be when you grow up? Or what would you like to do with your life? Or what's your major going to be when you get to college? And those are all fair questions to ask, but not everyone is a good student, and that's okay. Now, what should change in this country is. The degree to which we care for our teachers, a much stronger emphasis needs to be put on training and supporting our faculty and staff rather than uh, assuming that, you know, broad scale across the board programs like No Child Left Behind, for example, just one, not bashing on anyone's political ideology, but that that's going to be the stopgap, that that's going to be the fix because it's not. You have to invest in the teacher because think about it. When you guys were going through school, the best teachers made the highest level of impact and the worst teachers made you not want to even go to class, you know? Or it makes you want to slap them. Or, yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> hopefully true. you don't get like an assault charge. But yeah, yeah. I mean, teachers, there is no, there, there was a, um, a really big study done by a researcher at the universities, uh, one of the universities in Australia. And the largest causal factor, that w- causal data, not correlational, not anecdotal data that they found was the degree to which the teacher was effective. An effective teacher increased student success factor, and it was a longitudinal study, by as much as 33% over the oh, lifetime yes, of that yes. child. So effective teachers is what we need. And how do you get effective teachers? Well, you have to increase the degree to which you invest in the teachers. The best companies have the best employees. How do they get the best employees? They invest in their employees. You got to look at education the same way. Kids might have a better shot of going through school and finding a career that they can make a respectable middle-class living out of if that is their goal. Not everybody's a good student, though. Some people, it's okay for them to go into trade schools. Some people, it's okay if they don't know anything, you know? Yeah. It's okay if not everyone is going to have a, a grandmaster plan or a, a grandmaster ambition. Like yeah. not everyone wakes up at 14 and says, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that. Some people just don't know. And we don't need to demonize those kids. We need to support them. You know, we need to say, that's okay. You'll find your way. We're going to help you. We're going to we'll try different things to yeah. help you out. You know, if you don't go into college having your life figured out at 18 years old, you're supposed to be, you know, have your entire life figured out at 18 years old. Yeah, and you're going to accumulate $80,000 with the student loans if you don't get a scholarship or grants? Don't go. <laughs> I wouldn't go if I was ready. I'm not, I'm not, not going to say that don't go, but I'm, I'm saying maybe think about that decision. Because if you're doing it because it's a social norm, I think you, know, you need to rethink that decision. Yeah, for sure. 
Because you know. can do that social norm and not even go to college. Exactly. You can um, you can network with people that are in college. You don't have to be in college. Yeah. Or, you can be or if you try like shit like like you said, don't go to college. And then in four years down the line, you might know what you want to do. Let's say you work in a factory yeah. and you see the engineers up there. Yeah. And you're interested in that shit. Go back to college. Yeah. And then those people who are technically experts in their field, they expose you to some level of education. Yeah. And then you see, this really piques my interest. I want to learn more. Maybe you go buy an Engineering for Dummies book. Or you know, you stop by at yeah. your local Barnes & Noble. And you, you read through it a little bit and you're like, man, this is really interesting. I want to learn more about this. And then you apply. You get in. You take some classes. You're like, yeah, this is really what I want to do. I agree with that, you know, but pushing kids into colleges because it is the cultural norm. We've seen that in this country because in the 70s and 80s, it used to be in order for you to get a middle class family, you have to have a college degree. In order for you to have a respectable, comfortable, secure living, you have to have a college degree. Today, there's an oversaturation in the workforce of college degrees. It depends, of course, on the degree that which you get. So engineers are always needed. Um, You know, physicians, always needed. Nurses, doctors, these things are needed. Law right now used to be a great degree. Degree law law is oversaturated. Yeah. Think about how many lawyers we have. There's, there's, an, attorney. there's, there's an attorney on every single corner. You know, and if you're not top five, ten percent of your class, if you don't get into a great firm to work as an intern, they're gonna ride you yeah. for like eighty hours a week, and then you're gonna graduate. And if you don't get placed at a great firm, you might be making forty k a year as a lawyer. Yeah. But then you got two hundred thousand dollars of student loans. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is we sign for too many loans too quickly in this country without thinking. Ah, uh, we, we you know we got to pay it back. The government's gonna take care of it for us. We'll we'll get our student loans. No, no, no. You signed a legal obligation. You took yeah. debt. Yeah. You got to pay for it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so that's what I think. We need to support our kids more from a younger age. Support our teachers. You know, show them um, that it's okay not not to want to go to college. I'm not gonna teach you as though you're not going to college though. You don't know if you're going to college yeah. or not. Nobody knows the future. We don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. You know. So I'm gonna give you the fair shot. We teach every man's child in this country. That's different. You know, we hear a lot of statistics about America's, you know, 18th in literacy or 24th in math. Well, not all those other countries teach every man's child. Some of those schools are very tailored, you know, for educating the best and brightest in the mathematics, or the best and brightest in the arts. The other guys are factory workers or they're, you know, in other fields. In this country, we teach every man's child unless the parents take him out of school. I feel like people need to be exposed to the work environment because i know when i was growing up man i thought an engineer was like fuck you're going to invent the next iphone yeah you know something you're going to invent something yeah and then you come in and you're like you're working in a factory which yeah. most people are like what the fuck i'm working in a factory but you're working in the office it's more of an office job yeah. you're on excel 24 7 100 so like yeah. i think I people need to be exposed to that to that under age too. Yeah, yeah definitely because the way that you you know experience is the best teacher yeah like like you guys know you're doing it right now with the podcast you've done it with other business endeavors in your life i mean just other things that are not even entrepreneurial in nature experience is the best teacher so how do you show a kid what he wants to do if he has never been exposed to that field what's he like i want to be a doctor because i watched house and i watched Grey's anatomy and i watched scrubs no dude that's not real medicine that's not how stuff happens you know medicine is dirty and ugly sometimes and sometimes it is elegant and beautiful not what you see on tv you know it's not a drama where people are you know yeah doing whatever in the janitor closet like you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's, it's it doesn't go like that so and then the same thing so that's one thing where i agree in the, for education in this country we have to you know uh, adapt how we teach our kids so like one thing that i know in germany whenever you go to gymnasium uh high school um you've got three days or four days that are devoted to class and then the rest of them you're in practice some of those half days you know like you're going to those locations you're actually on site interning learning at the high school level yeah we don't get into internships until we're in college here 
in the States. And some people you know, don't even do internships in college. And that's late college. Yeah. By the time you've accumulated three, four years of credits, yeah. you got debt. If you've been fortunate to have a scholarship, well, okay, now i got to switch because I don't like it, but I just lost, I wasted my scholarship. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wasted three years of life. Wasted three yeah, years of my good. life. The good thing about school is that, you know, technically no one can ever take that knowledge away from you. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you're trying to follow that life plan that we are all ingrained with from a young age, you know, go up, you know, grow up, go to school, get married, have kids, make a family, this, this, then, you know, if you're pushing by 25, 27 and you're not married and, you know, uh, you don't have your career figured out and you see your peers are, it's going to make you feel bad about yeah, yourself. You know, it really could. Bit, yeah. And so you start panicking and that's where we see some issues in this country right now. So, you know, definitely education is important, but we need to, you know, revamp the education system oh, and how we, how we get our teachers, you know, how we train our teachers, how invested we are in them. And then the kids too. It's okay if you don't want to go to college. It's, it's, okay, it's okay not to have it all figured out at 18, at 16. That's okay. We're going to support you anyway. Here's what we got. You can do this. You can do that. You know, get into it. Get your hands dirty. Figure out if you like it or not. Yeah. Get in with the companies. Observe. And if you don't like it, that's okay too. You can do other things. In America, man, the American dream is still is still alive. Here we are, the four of us. Look at our parents yeah. how they came here. Look what they came from. Yeah. We're living examples of the American dream. Yeah, that's true. So it's still alive. You just have to be resourceful and get the right information to make sure that you know you're not wasting your your money and your time because. Time's the most precious resource, man. Once that's gone, you can never get it back. That's true. Do you think this uh, social norm of stuff going to college and having all these expectations kind of leads to people having so much um, anxiety and depression and stuff like that? I think so, yeah, especially if your parents are involved, right? Because they um, have this expectation of you, you know, to really perform. And if they're paying for it, too, you feel guilt. You know, you can feel yeah. guilt <laughs> yeah. or a certain, certain level of responsibility like, damn, my dad just invested 50K, you know? Yeah. I need to I need to do this to make him proud, you know, to to honor his sacrifice and in, yeah. in, in his 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 investment in me, you know. And one day I'll return that investment in him when he gets old and he can't work anymore. I'm gonna take care of you, pops. You know, yeah. that's when it can get really, really. You're torn between two worlds because you may have other ambitions, but then you want to satisfy your parents, and that's where you can see some of that real problems, you know. And especially in this country too, man. I mean, everywhere, like in our home country in Boston, dude. Mental health is not, it's very stigmatized. That's why I say fuck, I mean, it sounds bad, but if your parents are holding you back, fuck the parents, fuck everybody that's telling you, do you, because at the end of the day, you're the one going in Monday to work. So like, I feel like you shouldn't listen to your parents if they're, if they're taking it that far where they're dictating what you want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the tiger moms. Yeah. Like you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell, they're trying to live the life they wanted to live through you. Yeah. And mindsets aren't the same so yeah and it is unfortunate that 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 kind of stuff happens because ideally ideally you have a strong family that is together that is close-knit and that will support you in your endeavors that provides some degree of guidance because no matter how invincible we feel at times no matter how smart intelligent wise we feel experience is ultimately the best yeah. teacher and that's something that they do have on us regardless of how little school they've had or how much school they've had they do have some level of experience and so it is important to listen to your parents but hopefully you have a, a relationship established with them to which you can sit down and talk to them and be like, Mom, Dad, this isn't for me. Like, no disrespect to you guys. I love you guys. I'm going to support you and you guys have supported me, but this is not for me. And I need you to respect that because I respect your sacrifice, but I can do other things and this is not it for me, you know. And so, but sometimes, of course, that stuff doesn't happen and that's when you get yeah, tension and anxiety. I think it's because all of us, our parents grew up in a whole different world. So is the experience the same? You know what I mean? If they grew up in this society, like, dude, we can do everything with the internet. 
and like I don't think they don't they realize that they think of like this job like we need security we need yeah, they, they yeah. have this different image of what school is I went to school college not just like <laughs> high school I'm like what the fuck did I come here for today yeah what did I gain from being in this class today I only came because my dad's paying for it yeah literally like even with like gen eds and stuff like that like, you yeah. gain nothing from that stuff I mean yeah you get a little knowledge whatever like general knowledge in business yeah um I you, dis- you dissect pieces. the frog. I dissected, a, I, dissected, I dissected a hell out of some animals with my degree, man. I feel horrible. I love animals. Yeah, and you know that that is definitely a uh, a a hot a hot ticket point, you know. So, general education, you know, in this country, we we have general education requirements, and I understand the 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 need for general education. Um, to 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 a certain degree, everyone should have basic instruction on a lot of topics so they can be well versed and and carry conversations you know so you're not so so specialized in your area that you don't know about anything else yeah you know that that makes sense on the con on the on the contra side to that you have a a a pressure that is put on you from the federal government that says that you have to do this you have no choice that's something that i don't agree with because you know i'm a big i'm a big proponent of you know liberties and you know of of the right to choose and freedoms and so if you're compelling me against my will to do something that i don't want to do well then that's not right you know so um at at the core of it you know you should have the right to choose what you want to do you know it is necessary because imagine if you had an electorate a voting body that's supposed to be making complex political decisions but not everyone has the same level of education you know that's where you get people who are more educated or more specialized making decisions for everyone else. And that's when you can get really hairy decisions made because then it's going to benefit for them. But it's no benefit for everybody else. Yeah, so. yeah that's basically what politics is. Yeah. That's what politics is. Yeah, I mean, not just politics, man. Every other field. You're not going to have, uh, you know, a, uh, a scientist who's well-versed in academic literature, you know, um, who writes on a very advanced level. Yeah. And then he's going to come down and, uh, you know, he's going to, go and try to be a mer- mergers and acquisitions, you know, accountant or something like that. No, because those people speak different languages almost, you know, the, their literacy is so advanced in that topic that they are the only ones that can do that type of stuff. They police themselves, you know, yeah. academia polices itself. Um, accountants, you know, that type of world, lawyers, they all write in a certain way that is their literacy that they police themselves, you know, like only those type of people can understand those topics. Yeah. For the everyday person, for for your for your farmer, for your small farmer that's you know mining or uh, excuse me mining that's farming you know uh, corn, no nah, man he's not gonna understand that stuff at all. But so, I think everybody should also have the role kind of in the world too. Like oh yeah, you wouldn't be sure. specialized. I think that that creates more harmonious like environment for everybody. Yeah, because you can't. I mean, so this gets into a, a really cool comparison between uh, the USA and China, and so you know a lot of our manufacturing is in China, um, and I think. Either Tim Cook or Steve Jobs spoke on this um, a while ago, but uh, they said, you know, the reason why so much manufacturing is not is in China is not just because of the price. Of course, price matters, bottom dollar matters, but because of the, the degree to the special, uh, the degree to which the specialized, uh, the degree to which the workers are specialized. You know, we can do so many things for manufacturing in China that we cannot do in the United States, because what our workers in the U.S. are good at is multitasking, is pivoting. You know. Um, like for example, if you were, you guys go to Chick-fil-A, right? Or uh, any other restaurant. Imagine being on the line, controlling everything that those workers are doing. The Chinese workers are so specialized in what they do that if you put them in that position, they would need one person for each individual role. That is how the Chinese culture is. That is how their economy is set up to be highly, highly specialized. So in the U S where you have one person that's a manager, you would need four people to do a manager 
to do that person's job if they came from the Chinese system, the way that they do stuff. Um, and that's just one example. Of course, those numbers are kind of just yeah. pulled out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but that's the way that they do stuff in China. Very highly specialized. But what they do, they're great at. In the U.S., we take a more rounded approach. And so everyone should be, you know, it's like kind of like being between um, jack of all trades, master of none yeah. type thing. Yeah. Um, and if you want to become a master, then you got to go to more school. You know, you got to be much more well-versed in a topic area to become a master of a trade. So would you say a system would kind of make things uh, better quality, like better? So for the manufacturing industry, definitely, but we just can't compete price-wise. So with why China do people like, kind of say like, uh, say, this tool, this thing's from China, it's, it's a piece of shit made well, in China? Yeah, so... Is that like a patriotic thing or... Kind of, yeah. So, I mean, it depends on where the sourcing is from and what the manufacturing is coming from, right? So if you've got... Um, I saw it with Craftsman when I was working at Sears. Um, they outsourced all of the manufacturing from the U.S. to China. And then you had people that were coming back and it was like, hey, these tools are breaking all the time. Well, the reason that they're breaking is because the Craftsman tools that you got in the 70s and then in the 80s were made to last. Yeah, you know? Now true. it's about the bottom dollar. And so the materials that they're using is less durable. You know, it's, it's prone to more breaking. So, But it's made in China now. And so you have people associating that type of stuff with, with China. With yeah. China. Which I actually yeah, worked um, at Sears with Dennis. And I was using like the the home appliances. I was in the hardware section, so I got to deal with all these customers. So say Craftsman has like their uh, lifetime warranty, <laughs> lifetime warranty. So if someone rings a tool in, you have to fix it for them, like a ratchet or whatever. Can you tell about the guy that uh that brought in the <laughs> the brought in the machine that's trying to buy oh, it off the shelf? Okay, so so we had like a DeWalt um it was like a circular saw, a power saw. And this dude takes like the display machine off. Off the shelf, puts it in his cart. I'm like, sir, what are you doing? He's like, I was gonna check this out. He goes, no, no, no. I put it back on the shelf, get him a brand new box, he put it in his cart, help him, and this dude just walks right out the door. What? <laughs> she just stole it. <laughs> Is that again the old used? No, you stole it. I didn't steal it. I you helped. stole you it. Steal it. Oh, you helped him steal it. Yeah. You forgot that so, he didn't ring so it So Sears, out. I mean, no, no, you, so you, I gotta, you gotta, you gotta. Sears, you gotta. Sears Sears doesn't exist anymore. They they closed down. How do you feel about them? That chapter eleven bankruptcy, bro. They're bankrupt, man. I got more money than them. Melden's a cause of that. I know. (laughs) You contributed to bankruptcy. (laughs) Blame me. Blame me. That's our shrink right there. So talking about the corporates like Sears and all that, another level. We want to talk about the little medicine corporations. Back in your special field, we kind of we kind of straight off topic a little bit. Let's go back to your field. How do you feel about? um, there's a lot of cases right now about measles, um, whooping cough, stuff like that. Kind of diseases we got rid of a long time ago coming back because of um, anti anti vax moms. Yeah. is what people call them. This infuriates me, <laughs> and I have to compose myself because we're on camera, and I don't yeah. want to say anything because this is gonna be out on the internet. And I'm gonna have yeah. students, and yeah, I'm gonna have to deal with these people. You're gonna have RF at your neck. <laughs> so what people don't know about vaccination is that this type this type of stuff has been around for centuries okay the vaccination the principle behind vaccination started in china in ancient egypt with smallpox so smallpox was a very still is a very very dangerous disease it kills people almost you know one in ten times but it causes extreme pain it's fever and all these pustules and stuff that form um and so what they would do chinese and the egyptians what they would do is they would take the scabs of people that had smallpox and they would crush them up and grind them and expose people that wanted to get inoculated the term was called inoculation um uh, they would expose people to that stuff and the idea was you inhale some of the small tiny bits of that virus 
and your body then builds up an immunity to it. That's inoculation. The virus is live. And that's the way it started in ancient China and Egypt. Today, we still have that same principle except it's vaccination, but we don't give you a live virus. And so the reason why some of those diseases that you mentioned, the reason why we stopped seeing them is because in the, in the U.S. specifically, in the 50s and 60s, we saw a huge surge of vaccination. Yeah. So Jonas Salk with the polio vaccine. People have never seen what polio looks like in this country, or very seldomly. Like they have to Google what uh, what image you know. The FDR most FDR had it, correct? FDR had it, but yeah. that's about the extent to which people would know what polio looks like. Is FDR was in a wheelchair? He he hated being photographed. He, there were very few pictures of FDR because he did not like being being seen. He's always behind his, behind his desk. Always behind his desk. Yeah. Um, but you know the thing about vaccines is they're a victim of their own success because people don't know what measles looks like what mumps look like what rubella looks like what polio looks like what smallpox looks like what other diseases whooping cough what these things can do to people they're a victim of their own success in the united states we saw that huge surge of vaccination in the 50s and 60s and the cdc data tells us immediately the number the incidence of cases decreased precipitously in this country um, recently, the scare has come from a paper that was published in, I think, either 96 or 98 by, by, by a, a former doctor. His name was Andrew Wakefield, I think. In the United Kingdom, he published in a very reputable academic journal called Lancet. And he found, supposedly, he supposedly found a correlation, not, a cause, not causal data, between the MMR vaccine, so measles, mumps, and rubella, and autism. And what he proposed was a mechanism of sorts... Um, that said that the MMR vaccine caused some type of mutation in the stomach lining and the GI tract of people that got the vaccine that caused them to then be, get autism. And that was published. And so that passed an editorial review board and it, and it was a peer-reviewed journal. So other scientists reviewed it and they allowed it to go to publication. Until two years later, Lancet had to retract that paper because, um, and they were really embarrassed. The retraction in, academ in academia is like, like that is that is the you know, the peak of we're embarrassed, this is 100% wrong. Um, he had to retract that information, but it was already too late. The information was already out there. And so um, it was widely discredited, disproved. They recreated his, um, his, his experiments and data and followed that he falsified his research. So this is why people think vaccination can give you autism. Yeah, basically. Uh, in addition to that, there was another scare like in the early 2000s, in the mid-2000s with this chemical called thermosol, and it had uh, trace amounts of mercury. But what people don't understand is the CDC establishes um, guidelines by which you can include um, harm harmful chemicals. And so, uh, for example, I'll give you a general example. So 1% acetic acid. If I said that to the general person walking down the street today, they'd probably be like, what the heck are you talking about? What is that? Yeah. Like, that's vinegar. Acetic acid is vinegar. Okay. 10% acetic acid will burn your skin. And so the degree to which you increase the concentration of something greatly affects how it works in the body. And so when people heard that thermosol was used as a preservative in vaccines, so I'm being injected with this preservative while I'm receiving the vaccine, but that's got mercury in it. And mercury is known to do this and that to the brain. They also freaked out. But what they didn't realize is the degree to which that mercury was in the thermosol was like 200 parts per million, like the, the unit was parts per million. And so the, the criteria by, by which the CDC said you have to be under this, this line in order to be safe was like exponentially lower than what it should have been in the first place. And so that was another big scare. And then you have celebrities, right? So Jenny McCarthy is really big with this. Donald Trump, before he was elected, by the way, was also part of the anti-vax movement. Uh, Jim Carrey, 
Makes sense that Trump was in it. So. Yeah, well, um, they, they, they take these ideas and they propagate them. And so what, what you have is, you know, people saying that their kids have autism because they got vaccines. If vaccines caused autism, all of us would have autism. Yeah. yeah. You know, but what what exactly is autism? You can't there's no test for autism. You know, there's a spectrum of, of, of autism behaviors, you know. And so to say that, you know, vaccines cause autism is entirely irresponsible because when you're, you're not just risking your child. You're not just risking them against their will because you may not know. You know what I'm saying? You're risking other people's kids because there's this principle called herd immunity, right? So the virus cannot uh, reproduce and replicate and move on from person to person if everyone is uh, is inoculated against it, right? But if you stop vaccinating, then this person gets sick, and then he can make the person that was not vaccinated also get sick. And then if you have an increasing body of people that are not immune uh, that are that have not been caught up on their immunizations, then they can get that virus will spread. So and basically we're just like reversing everything we worked so so long and hard for yeah, all yeah. those years yeah. to get rid of like all these diseases. That's exactly we're reversing right. that. That's exactly right. And I, I will say this too, that you know the, um, the medical community tries to educate people about this topic, but we're just not doing a good enough job with it. You know, so one of the largest ones is uh, influenza vaccine. So in 1916 or 1918, Spanish influenza killed like 20 million people. It wasn't that long ago. It was about 100 years ago. It's not that long ago in the grand scheme yeah, of things. We get flu vaccines, you know, marketed every single year. Go get your flu vaccine. You'll hear plenty of stories from people that say, I got my flu vaccine and I got sick. Dude, but I I also think that, like, y'all two worked in a pharmacy. Yeah. And you know damn right the pharmacist or whoever whoever's the main guy, it may not be him pushing, like, get a vaccine. I think they're pushing it just for money. Like, of course. For some part. There's some people, like pharmacists, because those pharmacists ain't pushing it for themselves. <clears throat> There's probably somebody above them that it's like, you better get a quota well, of this many vaccines. You know what I mean? Well, the pharmacists we worked with, they all individually got the got the flu shot themselves. They got the flu shot, which is the only one they're required to get. Not required. They, they chose to get that one. I mean, um, it's not going to hurt them, but yeah. I think that it's pushed out for business. So, like, if you're going to tell your employee, like, dude, push on the this uh, uh, vaccine on, you know, people that come in. Why would I get it? You know what I mean? Because well, so it's here's the thing too. We gotta we gotta give respect to the fact that it's not just one or the other. It, it can be a multi multifactorial thing. You know what I'm saying? It can be, yes, big pharma wants its profits. Yes, the pharmacist has to meet the metric that the district manager says that they have to meet. And yes, they are healthcare professionals that know that it is a responsible thing for people to do. And so of course our economy is driven by sales. So yes, they have to meet those quotas and whatnot, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, they're still healthcare professionals. You don't become a healthcare professional for no reason. You know, some people look at it for money. In order for you to subject yourself to eight years of, of grueling school, it has to be for more than something than just money. Yeah. That's not going to get you up out of the day. You have to have a, a desire, a want to help people, to treat them with medicine. Yeah. And so if you know that the science is conclusive, like we know vaccines do not cause autism. Vaccines are beneficial and vaccines will stop these diseases from propagating throughout the population. Then of course you as a as a medical professional will say, okay, yeah, you, ma'am, you're 65. You should really get the high dose flu vaccine this year. To you know, it's it's it impacts you know older people a bit more stronger than it does younger people. Your immune system is starting to get weaker. You should really get this vaccine because I want you to be taken care of. At the same time, you're fulfilling your other roles. You know, as a pharmacist, as the business side of it too. Yes, but sometimes those lines become very blurred, and that's where you have you know, conflicting motives and something. So I do agree with that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not just the black or white. There's a lot of gray in between there that I think, um, should, you know, should some be people different. have gotten sick. Like what you said earlier, like people come in saying, I got sick from the flu, but uh, from the flu vaccine, I wasn't sick before. Uh, 
also like causation isn't correlation. What that's if very true, true. what if they're injecting you with something that's neutral that literally just goes through your body is like cheap as fuck, like, like, yeah, and just sure. they're just putting something into you that's cheap as fuck, Charge not cheap as fuck, it. but like something that costs less well, than normal vaccine. The thing about the the flu shot, I think like ninety, like I don't know real number, like majority of instances will cover it completely, fully cover it. The only vaccines that aren't covered are like the like uh, Hep C, Hep B stuff like that that you contract otherwise. You brought up Hep. They pushed hepatitis vaccines for fucking here in Bowling Green. They pushed it for for, for years. Yeah. But have you ever known somebody that got it? Have you? Um, you yeah. personally? I, I work at a pharmacy, so yes. I mean that's <laughs> different. A normal person. Have you ever? Um, like, anybody that, that to get to get Hep C, Hep B? Those are diseases contracted through through certain types of lifestyles as well, not just through genetics and lifestyles, not just kind of through through anything. You can't. I can't cough on you and give you hep C. But if there's such a fucking big outbreak, why yeah, haven't that? I experienced it? Or like I've asked people like in my well, there wasn't one in my in circle. Locally, but like I worked at Trace and dude, you go there and they're talking about this huge outbreak, this and that. And I interact with a lot of people. I go to Western. I go. I work. You know, I I interact interact with a lot of people. So why haven't I seen it? Well, why haven't he? he uh, why hasn't Denny yeah. seen it? I'd say that's more of like a media. Media. The easiest thing to report on. Is negative things. So you you have an outbreak of something. That's why people say like you watch the news, you hear only hear bad things. It's because that's easier to report. You don't have to do any research on it. You don't have to like look through it. Just say this stuff's killing people. But and how do you know maybe, it's happening? I mean, because if you work at a pharmacy, you're gonna see hepatitis yeah. anyway. Period. Yeah. Like you work there, you're gonna see it eventually. You might not see it like you know like next week or something, but you're gonna see it. Like somebody like me and Denny, if it's such a big outbreak, how I come mean, we don't see it? Like we anybody would I think no, it was the surrounding that, counties. That's the yeah. thing. It's really not. It's, it's not, not a really huge a big outbreak. outbreak because a lot of people are inoculated or are immune to hepatitis C. And like Melo was saying, the lifestyle, you have to transfer through bodily fluids. Yeah. I, so I can't just look at you and cough on you and give you hepatitis C. Like bodily fluids, my dude. You know what I'm saying? Like so, needles, stuff like that. Like Yeah, you're sharing needles. Lifestyles. So why is, it pushed, why is it pushed that much, though? I think it's because, more of a business perspective. No, no, like, hep C hey, wasn't can... pushed. Hep C wasn't pushed on. It was uh, Hep A. Hep A was like in like some some... Booney school around the area, I guess. I don't no disrespect, but it was a it was a small area, a rural rural area. I think there was like an outbreak of a few students had Hep C, uh, not Hep C, Hep A. I'm sorry, um, and they contracted it through, through their home life. They got that, and then the media took that story and kind of made it seem like like thousand people in Bowling Green had. You think had the me- you think the, the the companies weren't behind the media because all that is is a big marketing tactic. Oh, like, they were yeah, the all, bro. Because that's that a huge marketing. All, all, all the money that you see that comes through on mainstream on mainstream media that we see on TV is, is heavily filtered, and that message is entirely directed to the constituents that watch those TV shows. And so, yeah, of course, man, the, the media in this country is controlled by two families. And I'm not gonna name call, but I mean, if you <laughs> all you gotta do is is just, just Google, is just Google who owns. So, you know, so, yeah. Fox, who owns NBC, yeah. who owns CNN, they're all owned by the same people. Same and so people, if yeah. you're pushing an agenda, if you've got your finger in multiple pots and one of them is a the pharmaceutical industry, oh, yeah. Yeah, you better believe that they're going to push some type of an, an agenda and they're going to mask it as a public health scare, right? Yeah. So but, should we listen to them and should we get the hep, what hep you, shot? What you should listen to is a mel- the medical professionals, not necessarily not what you see on TV. Because – we know so this is the problem with like so getting back to the flu vaccine because hep a and hep b are totally different um and, and hep c is totally different so flu what the cdc does each year is they try to predict using biological statistical models which strains of the influenza virus are going to hit strongest this year based on these conditions based on um profile based on all these other things and they try to project that ahead of time 
And then they manufacture the flu vaccine. They give the directions to the, to the manufacturers on how to make the flu vaccine and what strains to cover against, which will cover three or four strains. But that's, that's not predict. You know what I'm saying? You, it's very, very well possible, which we've seen several times, that the, the strains that you were uh, immunized against, that you, uh, um, that you received inoculation against, were not the ones that hit. You know, and so you've been inoculated against the flu, but now there's a flu outbreak. Well, it was because the strains that the CDC predicted just didn't happen, which is that has happened in the past. Which is we got the swine flu and the bird flu. That's yeah, where no. those came from. In addition to that, I think it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, because if they keep pushing all this shit out, you're going to have people that people are against it. Out, because, yeah. you know, like if you have tornado warnings every day, are you really going to fucking Eventually, listen you don't to them? Eventually yeah, you're yeah, going to. So, like, I, I think that's where yeah. these anti-vaccine people are coming from is like. Dude, you're telling me to fucking get vaccinated for every goddamn thing. Well, I will say to the, the degree to which you see in the anti-vax stuff, it's always tied to some type of autism this, autism that, yeah, you know, really some type is. of disease. And it's just not substantiated whatsoever. There's no data. There's virtually zero data out there that supports the notion that vaccines cause autism. And yet you still have people, influencers, celebrities pushing that notion and then people tie on to that, and then you mix in those blurred lines that I mentioned earlier, it and it up. just seems suspicious, right? And then you get this distrust in the industry, you get this distrust in the professionals, you're like, eh, that's not for me. I, I don't look right, I don't feel right, yeah. you know? And that's where that type of stuff happens. Because it's not just one factor, these things are so complex, so multifactorial, and when you break it down, you gotta give respect to all those things, you know what I'm saying? So, but the evidence is clear, vaccines don't cause autism, and the reason, we know that is because if it did, the people, millions, billions yeah, so of vaccines have been have, given. Yeah, so we would, we would all have it. Yeah. And then the notion that everybody has some degree of autism is yeah. honestly BS too. Because no, you can't test for autism. There's a spectrum of behaviors. And even then, not everybody falls on the spectrum. So, so you think it's uh, misdiagnosed autism a lot? or? Well, the problem is we just don't have a way to, to, to diagnose it. You know, So um, people still argue about what autism is, what's an autistic behavior, what's not an autistic behavior. Obviously, you have the higher ends of the spectrum. You can tell that this kid is going to be autistic. Like, you can tell by his behavior. But then the lower ends, is it Asperger's? Is it autism? Is it just ADD? Like, what exactly is it that's causing People don't realize that autism isn't that fucking, like, people think it's some crazy thing. You have really, really smart, intelligent people oh, yeah. with autism. So, like, is it really that bad? Yeah, I mean, so the problem with like high functioning autistics, right? So what you'll see is, um, they'll, usually with high functioning autistics, it's they have some crazy skill. You know, they're amazing at doing something. So like, I think a famous example, and I, I'm not sure if this is entirely accurate. So I'd have to think of a different example. But like Susan Boyle, for example, I've heard before, and I don't know if it's true that she is a high functioning autistic but she is amazing at singing. And so you've, you've seen other examples too, like they have these savants that are, they're math geniuses, they're whizzes, they've got IQs, four standard deviations above the norm, like, but they're lacking in social impetus. They, they, yeah. they lack. Which that's essential what autism is, kind of your yeah. specialized one area, but you have like your, your social skills are kind of Yeah, your, your below behavior. Tier. But is that really yeah. bad to the society? Because if you got these people that are really specialized in their area, why is it bad? I think yeah. we should adapt to it, like kind of help those people. Everybody can't in their be social. Fields. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely no, it's not. It's not that it's bad for absolutely society. Not. It's just that it, I think the idea behind this anti-vax stuff it's it's bad for the individual, and it's it's oh, yeah. it's it's not given to them by their choice, so don't force them to do it. Yeah. Well, 
if you're going to public school, I don't want you to put my child at risk because you don't want to accept the science. Yeah, no, no, no. If you're going to accept a public product that is funded by public tax dollars, you're going to you're going to vaccinate your kid or you're not going to go here. Go to a private yeah. school. And that's where you see outbreaks, right? So there was there's cases, you know, there's reports of stuff going up in Minnesota or like Michigan and stuff um, where parents have just been like, yeah, we're not going to vaccinate our kids. And then they get exposed to whooping cough and they all get whooping cough because yeah. a herd immunity will shot out the window. They're not all immunized. And so one of them gets infected, then the infection spreads. You know, you don't see that type of stuff here. Because you don't see polio, you don't see measles, you don't see mumps, you don't see rubella, you don't see these very strong diseases because we've all received immunizations against them. But I promise you, if all of our kids one day were not immunized, yeah, you'd yeah. see them come back. Another outbreak. Because yeah. that's what happens. These diseases find a way to come back. You ever seen smallpox? It's nope. not pretty, man. Nope. Never. The reason you never, never see smallpox? Seen we got vaccinations yeah, for smallpox. You know what I'm saying? Meningitis, nasty disease. The meninges, which is the, it's like a tiny layer of almost skin, it's a membrane that's on top of the brain, becomes inflamed. So we all know what a brain looks like. Imagine it like, you know, all these veins and everything and whatnot, and then it becomes inflamed and nasty and green and yellow yeah. and all this other infection on it. It's painful. If it's you've high. never seen this stuff, how do you know it existed? I've seen it. Um, oh, we've seen it, just I mean, not there's in been, There's not been here. cases of there, it. There's documented in, uh, cases. Up there's in Lexington. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had a student come down from Lexington to our pharmacy because of meningitis shot because he actually... I'm talking about like smallpox. Like, oh, smallpox. We, we haven't seen it for a while. Oh, we, so, like, we know what it looks like. We get documented cases it of it. Like they use it as chemical weapons, too. The, C the United States has a chemical weapon that's been developed off of smallpox virus. They just don't ever use it because it's against uh, the rules of engagement and warfare. You don't use chemical weapons, which is why all that stuff that was going on like overseas, like in Syria and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's why yeah. I was, that was bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we know it is because the vaccination was developed off of the disease being in the population. So, like like I said, in, in, the, in the early 1900s, influenza, yeah. Spanish influenza. Well, obviously, you had to have seen that to develop a vaccination that got rid of it, you know? Yeah. Same thing for polio. Polio is still prevalent in Africa, where they don't have access to the medication that we do in the States. Um, hepatitis, same thing. Um, measles, mumps, rubella, German, German measles is called as well. You see it all over the world where they don't have vaccinations present. And so the causal data is firmly established. Vaccines do not cause autism. Vaccines get rid of these diseases. Vaccinate your kids. It's that simple. Um, the problem is, is when we have misinformation that spews, you know, it comes from these influencers and celebrities that think that they're pushing this agenda. That's like, man, this is a giant conspiracy theory. And it's like, no, it's, it's really not. It's really not. It's not that serious dude. just vaccinate your kids, vaccinate yourself and you won't get sick. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. And of course you got mixed motives. Sometimes you really do have mixed motives. And the thing is these celebrities have been vaccinated themselves. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. So that's kind of like, everybody like, yeah. has been vaccinated. They've been vaccinated. And they're, they're telling people not to vaccinate their kids. Exactly. <laughs> and then you better believe they're also vaccinating their kids yeah, still. You know? So you, you, you show me a famous celebrity that has, you know, all the money in the world, more money than they'll ever spend that has not vaccinated their yeah. kids. And you might have like one martyr or something like that. No, their kids are safe. You know, um, they've been vaccinated and we should all continue to vaccinate. Oh, 100%. Um, it, they're actually working on a global flu vaccine right now. That'll, once you, once you take the flu vaccine, you should be good for about five years and it covers most, if not all flu strands, which you, you can still potentially get sick. What a lot of people don't know is you often hear that phrase that's called flu symptoms, right? Cold, fever, yeah. cold sweats, you know, etc. Well, the process by which your body becomes immune, so you in, you're injected with this dead version of this virus. It's not alive, it's not gonna reproduce or whatever. Then your immune system recognizes that it's foreign, it's an invader, okay? Then it sends its macrophages to attack. When the macrophages attack and then the B cells and T cells comes in, those are all part of your immune system. That process of attacking that virus takes a toll on your body. And so some of the side effects of that process are flu symptoms, but it's not actually flu. And so yeah. it is possible that you get a little under the weather from getting the vaccine. But it's not 
I have the flu. No, 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 no. Nije, like, you know, like in Bosnia we say, imam gripu. Yeah. Well, gripa is flu. You know what I'm saying? It's not actually that you have the flu. You just have cold sim- symptoms. Symptoms, you, yeah. You can still get the rhinovirus. The rhinovirus is a common cold. But you don't have the influenza. Not your skin's not hurting. You, you know, you got a 103 fever. You know, you can barely, you can't move. It's not that. It's not going to last for two weeks. It'll last for a couple of days. And so people get that confused too, and they think they got sick from the vaccine. No, you've been inoculated against against influenza, but you just got some cold symptoms to come with it. Yeah, we've learned a lot from Dennis. Uh, I learned I'm a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> so is most of the world. I'm a yeah. drug addict. And uh, we've learned. Um, to get vaccinated and we learned a lot so um what we're gonna do now is we're gonna do the timeless 10 which dennis i don't know if you heard about it but we asked the the, uh, the guests 10 questions that we ask everybody and you kind of just answer them real quick yeah straight off the bat just answer that's that so okay. Millen's gonna go ahead and uh do the timeless 10 all right so if you had to work but you didn't need the money what career would you choose oh dude that's an easy one i'd be an astronaut Astronaut. When I was growing up, I always wanted to be an astronaut, but I, I guess I'm too brown or something. I don't know. <laughs> You're too tall, bro. You got to be a certain height. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm in there. You got to fit in the cockpit somehow, right? So. Yeah. All right. If you could disinvent one thing, what would it be? Disinvent one thing. Oh, my goodness, man. Vaccines. <laughs> oh, man. If I could disinvent one thing, I think I would probably, like a material thing? Yeah, a material yeah. item. Material, material item. items. I think I would disinvent... Um, that's a tough one. God bless. Maybe, maybe, maybe TVs. TVs. Maybe TVs. Because we spend so much of our time on TVs. It's just a black hole for time. You know. That's what Sp- Keenan said too. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah he hey, said. Keenan said the TV. All right, Kenan, yeah. I got you. He said the TV. If you could be one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Leonardo da Vinci. Why him? Okay, so Leonardo da Vinci in the 1400s created stuff that we invented today. So imagine what that man could have done with his mind. With the technology of today, yeah. just 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 the the mind. Think of the minds of the past, like the founding fathers that created this country, that created the system of government. Have you ever read their writings? Like, if you read the Federalist Papers or like looked at the Constitution or the or like the Declaration of Independence and like looked at how these dudes wrote and how intelligent they were to figure some of that stuff out without any technology, what yeah. could they do today? Yeah, that's you know? crazy. That's true. Imagine if you had Nikola Tesla alive today. What could he do? Talk That's to some why. birds, man. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, if you had all the money in the world, what's the first thing you would buy? A private jet. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> like why? Private jet. We didn't. Because because I could go anywhere whenever I wanted to. Yeah. And travel time is one of the big things, you know, that that holds people back. Because in order for you to get to LA, you got it's a floor, it's a four hour flight. But if I, if we, all four of us want to go to LA right now. We got to go buy a ticket from Southwest or Delta or whatever. We got to go to the airport. We got to do this. We got to do that. Password security, all that other nonsense. It's going to take a full day. And then the flight gets delayed. And, and then the flight go. gets delayed or <laughs> yeah. canceled, right? But if I got a private jet, I can go anywhere whenever I want. Southwest, fuck you. <laughs> if you had one Dang. piece of advice, if you had one piece of advice for the younger generation, what would it be? One piece of advice for the younger generation, what would it be? Man, I'm not going to say some cliche like stay in school because... Fuck school. Now you, <laughs> you hear that too much. No, honestly, you know, it is okay to be yourself and it is okay to feel. Don't be afraid to, to, to talk to people. Don't be afraid to, um, to, to go out there and talk about issues that you have in your head because you're trying to put out this macho persona. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Or you're trying to be this strong person. All that stuff is worthless. Go out there and lean on people. Lean on each other. Because we're social creatures. We crave social interaction. Yeah. If we don't lean on one another, that's when you start getting mental illnesses and all this kind of stuff come out there. So, 
think Melden, this one's I a, think Melden felt that one. I felt that one right here, man. I've been getting harassed by my uh, co-hosts the last week working on this office, man. Y'all don't want to know. All right. This one's a little less deep. Who's your favorite artist right now? Musically. Like, musically? musically? Oh, dude. You know, if I'm going to sound uncultured when I say this, but I don't really listen to a lot of music. Dennis stopped listening to music in 2004. I just wanted to be clear on that. Nah, come 2004 on, no. is cut off. No, I do have some like admiration out there. So I, I, I admire skill, you know, so I admire a lot of um, like rock that takes really like, you know, drums is hard. Not everybody can play drums. Not everybody has four limb independence. I can play one rhythm here, one rhythm here, and then other rhythms with my feet. You got your feet, yeah. Yeah, so um, guitar is also piano, but if I had to pick out like some hip-hop guys, I really, I like J. Cole. I'm a huge Eminem fan just because his music isn't for everyone, but his lyrics always cut. Yeah. Like I said, 2004. His lyrics always cut, bro. Um, I like J. Cole. I'm a, I like Kendrick, too. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers that. <laughs> Fuck Eminem. Fuck Eminem. <laughs> J. Cole will take it. Alright, um... What do you think the most common piece, common reason people uh, give up is? Man, depends on what it is, really. But fear, fear, fear is a big one. You know, fear of failure, fear of you know making yourself look stupid, fear of uh, fear of judgment. You know, um, fear of fear of yourself sometimes too, like being a lesser version of yourself. You know, so having the determination, surrounding yourself with with the right people and the right resources really matters because. For the most part, you are a product of your environment. So who you surround yourself with and what you surround yourself with will help you. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite quote ever. That's it? Yeah, that's it. All right, if you had one superpower, what would it be? Superpower, man. <laughs> that's a good question. You already said fly with a private jet. You got to pick something else now. Yeah, I know. But honestly, dang, man, I would really love to go to outer space. So, like, if I could have some type of superpower that would just let me, like, fly and not die, like, in freezing, you know, yeah, and everything. Space, yeah. And, like, Superman, because he can travel between, you know, planets and stuff. Yeah. If I could do that and, like, go to the moon or, That'd you know. That would be amazing. Just, and, not, and not die, <laughs> like, have nothing mess with me, because I would love to be. You, think about it, the small number of people that can say, I've been to space. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been on the moon and I took a picture of Earth, and every person that's ever been alive, I just took a picture of them because I was on the moon. Only half of them. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. Neil Armstrong can say that. You yeah. know, we can't say that. That's true. That'd be awesome. Uh, did he really go to the moon? <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's another podcast. That's another episode. And what's one thing you can live without? It's got to be a material item. It can't material be. item that I cannot live material without. Material item, yeah. Dude, my toothbrush. Hey, that's a good thing, man. You best Brush believe your teeth. brushing my te- hygiene, bro. The way you present yourself 100%. says everything about you, because. Whether you like it or not, we live in a world in which people judge you immediately. Yeah. You know, most most communication is nonverbal. You know, so how you present yourself, what you look like, what you wear, it matters, bro. Yeah. I'm not going to show up to a job interview in sweats. You know That's what I'm true. saying? So why should I pre- present myself to my friends and my family looking like a hobo? No offense yeah. to hobos. You know what I'm saying? So hygiene matters, personal appearance yeah. matters. Whether you like it or not, it's a fact. So yeah, hygiene. So yeah. hygiene products. Keep that smile clean, people. And we're doing the. Um, this is the end. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a clock that we got because we're timeless. Okay. And just smash it on camera, and you're gonna write down one quote on it and sign it. What's okay. the quote gonna be? Man, I have to think one on the fly. Okay, let's see. Um, your favorite quote. Just a short I don't know quote. any ones that are off the top of my head that somebody else has said. So I'll just come up with one real quick. Hey, Some related to time. So like, um, time is our most precious resource. Don't waste it. Live life to the fullest. There we go. There you go. That's, That's the one. We gotta smash the clock. Let's, let's and just because it's so messy, we'll he'll we'll sign it and all that. The good after. laptop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Just don't give it a hard smash because yeah, just, just it's going it over. Just crack it open? Yeah. Crack is, it, is it polycarbon or is it glass? It's actual glass. It's real glass? Yeah, man. It's glass. It's a clock. <laughs> a, little yeah, a little bit harder. A little bit harder. A little bit harder. A little bit harder. Hit that mug. There, there you go. we go. <laughs> Time is better than I am.